Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Greetings and welcome into this edition of our College Golf Podcast. Steve Burkowski and Brentley Romine with you. And so much has changed in our world since we were last together. First and foremost, our thoughts are with everyone as we try to, try to deal with the ever-changing dynamic of what the coronavirus has done and continues to do. But we come together for a possible escape to inform, to educate, to take a break from being glued to the TV and the impact of um, sports has been vast, including golf, especially our little niche of college golf as the season we had been in the middle and middle of was over just like that. No conference championships, no regional selection show, no NCAA championships. Brentley, your quick response of wrapping your head around uh, what has happened over the past couple of weeks. I think it's the simple answer is I still haven't wrapped my head around it. You know, this is still very hard to process. You almost every, every morning that you wake up, you kind of hope it was a dream, but obviously it, it, it's not, um, was very much looking forward to the rest of the spring. There was just so many contenders, so many, so many teams that really had promising, uh, resumes and Greyhawk was really, I believe setting up to be an all time championship. Uh, you know, I, I feel bad as a fan, but I really feel bad for the players, the coaches, especially the the seniors, because you look at a team like like Pepperdine, who had three seniors, number one ranked team in the country. You look at Oklahoma, who had two seniors who were top five players uh, in, in golf stat. They were ranked second. Georgia Tech, four seniors. So, I mean, th- these are teams that legitimately had a, ha- had a shot to, to go out on top with their their four-year players and now suddenly all of it's gone so I mean do I think it's the right call yes it's better to be safe than sorry but I think there's still some part of me that wishes they could have taken things month by month but I think as we get further along in this it looks more and more like like the right you know right move Speaking of the Oklahoma Sooners please be joined by Ryan Hibble the head men's golf coach at OU Ryan First and foremost, appreciate you taking some time and hopefully everyone close to you and know you doing well considering the circumstances. Yeah, we're doing well. Uh, appreciate you guys having me on. This is uh, obviously just unprecedented waters that we're walking in right now. And, and uh, we're just thankful that we have life and, and some somewhat some freedoms right now. Our guys, um, you know, our message changed about Friday night when we had a leadership meeting uh, with our athletic director here. And when you have experts get in the room and talk to you about how bad this thing's going to get, I was able to, you know, convey that message to our kids on Saturday with a team meeting. And 
um, you know, it, it was kind of, it went, it went against the old woes me. We're not going to have a championship mentality to, Hey guys, we got to protect ourselves. we got to protect our families. Uh, we're going to do everything in our power to make sure that we're not spreading the virus. And uh, you know, so for us, I think that gave us a little bit more closure when we kind of realized how big this thing is getting and you're starting to see it uh, break all over the, all over the country right now. So uh, this is just way bigger than us right now. And, and we're going to keep working through all these other crazy questions that we have and, and issues with college golf. But right now it's just a matter of trying to keep everybody safe. Ryan, what sense did you have maybe over the month leading up until this point that we would all potentially be in the situation and predicament we're all in? Well, I mean, you know, when you started seeing all this in the, in the China news, um, oh, two months ago, you knew that it was going to come over here at some point, right? You know, everybody on the news was talking about it, uh, but not to, to maybe the extent that, that we're talking about it right now. And, and um, you know, for us, I mean, heck, we can just go back to last week. Uh, as early as Thursday morning, we were still going to the University of Arizona's golf event, uh, the NIT, uh, at nine, nine o'clock in the morning, we were still planning on going you know, on the plane. And by 11, we were pulled off the road. And by three, we had no NCAA championship. And then by Friday afternoon, uh, we had no Big 12 championship. So that's how fast everything escalated from, from us. Uh, and, and again, I've got four seniors, so my heart goes out to them. And we're going to continue to try and figure out what that means for their career. Uh, and, and get them excited about uh, their future, whether it's with us or going into professional golf, which is all of it's an unknown right now. Uh, but, you know, from our standpoint, again, I'm just going to go back to the health and safety of all of our kids, of all of our, our university. We've shut down and just gone purely online for the rest of the semester now. So uh, it's, just, it's just amazing kind of what's going on. But uh, – we're going to open our minds and our hearts and, and try and figure out how to help other, other folks and, and continue to try and figure out how to get better as a golf team and program here these next couple of months too, even though we can't do anything. Can you take us inside the uh, team meeting and just, you know, just kind of describe what, you know, the, the mood was like, especially, I mean, you have four seniors that have contributed so much to the program and it was just almost like a bomb just got dropped on everyone. Yeah, I mean, I tried to not have that meeting be the sad one, um, if that makes sense, because we we still have some time in front of us here, and regardless, I'm going to try and do some. I'm going to try and do something with my seniors, something special. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, we tried to not be super sad. It was more about protection and and safety and and everything else that's going on there. So. Uh, but, but afterwards, when I met up with all of my seniors individually, it did get a little sad, um, you know, and, and it was, I'm sorry if you hear something, my dog's in here right now, I brought my little pup. <laughs> uh, we're up here at the office uh, trying to get, escape from everybody. But um, anyway, it, it's, it, that was sad because then we started talking about the future and, and it wasn't supposed to end this way for a guy like Quade Cummins, who's been here for five years now who's really developed into a big-time player, and he wanted to win this team championship because he was on the sidelines uh, in 2017 when we won, rooting and cheering on everybody. He really wanted to be a part of what that meant. Uh, you know, and, and these last couple of years, he's had a chance, but he knew that we had just as good a chance as anybody in the country this year. So that was 
it was tough, you know, and Garrett Reban is really coming into his own. Um, you know, it's just – it's sad for all of our guys, though. It's not just, just our seniors because they're all part of something special, you know. Uh, whether you're a freshman or a sophomore, you've put in a lot of work and, and you want to keep going. But, again, we're going we're gonna to have a chance to – that's the cool thing about golf is uh, we get a chance to hopefully do this again at some point. Ryan, so many things still have to be sorted out. The big question is what's going to happen to these young men and women next season? And as of now, the NCAA is saying that all spring sport athletes can come back if they want to. Obviously, still have to figure out how that impacts scholarships, et cetera, roster size, so many small moving parts. But if that stands, as we know right now, what's your belief on it? considering the seniors and everyone else in your squad that they might come back for another season? Yeah, I think it's just too early to understand where we're at, Burko. Um, I told all of my guys my job the next 30, 45 days is to try and gather as much information for them as I possibly can in order for us to make as informed decision as possible. Um, and I think everybody across the country, I've had a lot of coaching buddies reach out to me and I've reached out to them as well, trying to figure out, you know, what's the next step? What are we going to try and do? And uh, I don't know if we have the answers right now. Uh, you know, obviously with some guys like a Quay, like a Reband, have kind of put them themselves at the top of, of college golf, you know, uh, where do you go play uh, professionally right now? Uh, uh, that's, that's still a, a question. They just both went down to Canada and qualified to their Q school, but – I, you know, who knows what's going to happen with those guys uh, and their tour. Uh, what, you know, the financial side of things, you know, we're going to have to try and figure that out as the economy continues to, to go in a down, downward spiral. Um, so those are the questions that we all have. Now, when it comes to eligibility piece, I'm hearing that maybe it's just going to be allowed for our seniors. Uh, but I think they're still working through that with the NCAA right now. And I think we're going to find out quite a bit here in the next couple of weeks. Ryan, you were a, a high-level college player. Just kind of maybe put yourself in the shoes of, you know, an, an elite senior and just kind of look at, like you said, the lack of playing opportunities or the uncertainty of playing opportunities as a pro. Um, you also have to consider potentially PGA Tour U next, uh, next summer and uh, what, what that could need for, mean for the top seniors next year. And also, considering the Walker Cup is going to be in May, we're going to get another Walker Cup before we get to NCAAs. So kind of, I guess, imagine yourself as one of those elite seniors. What, what would you do right now with the information that, that, that you know? Well, I mean, I would do exactly what I'm trying to preach to my guys, and that's to just hang in there and, and let's, let's try and figure out more information. Um, because the last thing you want to do is get stuck in no man's land where there's nothing positive for you uh, with playing opportunities and uh, the financial piece of it. So, you know, I've told everybody that's, that's seniors for me right now, if the worst case scenario is you end up coming back here and uh, get a chance to play in our system and our foundation uh, and to continue to get elevated on our platform because you're going to keep getting better. Uh, then, then that's a pretty good scenario. So, uh, you know, if, if that's what, what we're dealing with, then, then we'll take it. And let's just hope and pray that we're going to get a chance to play again next fall time, even as, as college golfers, right? So uh, I still think we have a long ways to go with this virus and, and a lot of uncertainty. Uh, you know, fortunately for us right now, we've got some time on our hands uh, to try and 
you know, be able to work through it with these guys and, and help them understand hopefully the best situation for them. And, and each guy's going to be in a different spot. Um, and I get that, but if it's time for them to move on, it's time for them to move on, you know? And uh, that's, that's one of the promises that I've always kept to my guys. We're going to try and put them in the best spot possible for them moving forward as a professional golfer. That's one of the reasons why they come here, not just to get the education and play for championships, but to help them get prepared for, for the professional golf life. And, and that's what we're trying to do. Now, if we do play in the fall, there's obviously going to be seniors that come back and maybe go to Q school. A lot of coaches have problems with their guys using college as kind of a fallback. But do you think under these circumstances, there'll be some coaches that say, hey, come back, try Q school. If you get through, you know, I have no problems with you leaving, but you can always come back in the spring if you don't. Yeah, I think that your mind gets opened up a little bit more in these situations for sure. Um, I did learn this this week, uh, and I think that this is 100% truth, that if you do go to Q school, you're going to forfeit your PGA University standing. So you can't do both. Um, you're either going to have to kind of choose one or the other, it sounds like. But um, again, this is all assuming that all this continues to move, move about the way we think it's going to move. Um, uh, but, but yeah, I, I think for a guy coming back, if, if he truly wanted to go to, to uh, Q school in theory, uh, I probably would have had a harder time with that prior to this situation, but knowing what we have in front of us, you know, again, I just, I don't want my guys to be stuck in no man's land. Ryan, this is uncharted territory for all of us involved. Uh at every level, well beyond sports. What might be your final thoughts, message to your team, to your family, to your friends, to everyone part of Sooner Nation of what we're dealing with that goes well beyond uh, what happens on the athletic field? Well, just hope. You know, that's, what, that's all I've tried to do with my guys is keep giving them hope um, that we're going to continue to move forward. And, uh, you know, this golf program, our, our university going to continue to move forward. We're going to get through this. We just have to hunker down right now and try and figure out how to get through, um, you know, this this time of we're trying to flatten the curves. It's what all the experts are saying right now. So we we have hope out there, and and by gosh, I promise you, we're going to be back uh, working our tails off whenever we get the chance. It it definitely uh, makes you appreciate things. As I, I feel like with our golf team and our program, we really try and help our kids understand uh, the appreciation that goes into what they've been given, and how lucky and fortunate we are. And this. This is just another constant reminder that uh, boy can be taken away just like that, right? And uh, we're we're just thankful that we're all here, still happy and 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 healthy right now. I just was texting with all of them. We're getting ready to start a little team book where we're going to read it with each other and and uh, try and figure out how to get better this next month. And uh, we're just going to keep providing hope for everybody that uh, we'll be back. Certainly, good advice as we move forward, Ryan Hibble. Appreciate you taking some time to join us today. Stay healthy, stay safe, my friend. That goes from you, your family, everyone affiliated with the Oklahoma program. And uh, let's talk again next time, hopefully, with some better conversation. Yeah, on you got it. I appreciate it, guys. This is all going to pass. Again, our thanks to Ryan Hibble, the head men's golf coach at the University of Oklahoma, for joining us. And Brett, he really opened up some topics to consider, to speculate about, and we hate speculating, but that's sort of where we are right now in the college golf world. And I think you jump right into the possibility of that extra year of eligibility, whether it's just for seniors, we're hearing it could be all spring athletes, the impact 
It could have on scholarships. There are a lot of details and variables that need to be worked out. But what's your initial thought to letting everybody have that extra year if they want it? I don't know about you, Berko, but I love speculating. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, seriously, it's there's just a lot of things to consider. I mean, we're talking about do you just let seniors, do you let all four years? Because, I mean, if you let every player have an extra year, I mean, you're talking about there's still going to be freshmen coming in every fall. So you're talking about expanded rosters. And then what do they do with the scholarship allotments? Because as we know, men's and, and women's golf, you only get a certain amount of scholarships to spread around. And a lot of guys are, um, as we were talking about before, uh, they're on like their scholarship amount kind of changes. Maybe they're on 75% the first two years and then it goes down to 50 or however it's set up. Um, and then who's paying for it? Is the NCAA going to foot the, foot the bill or the schools? Is it going to be up for the individual players? Um, so, I mean, there's still a lot to address. And, again, there's a lot to consider, too, moving forward. Because if you turn pro, where are you going to play? Um, for the elite guys, is it worth trying to play the Walker Cup in May? Is it, is it worth – going to Q school or not is PGA tour you, where does that factor in? So there's just so many balls up in the air and I don't think we've caught and, you know, I, I, I don't think we've caught any of them. Yeah. You, you hit on a point when I talked to a handful of coaches over the past few days of the scholarship, when you get a power five school, you sign a four year contract in terms of scholarship, what you're getting over the course of four years. That's what I was told by multiple coaches and you hit it right on the head, Brentley. Let's say somebody has a full ride their first year and then goes down to 80%, 60%, 40%. So let's say you've got a senior on a 40% scholarship. That means this past season, 60% came out of their own pocket. If that is the situation moving forward, does the NCAA pay for it? Does a student athlete now ask mom and dad, hey, I need another 10, 20, 30, $40,000 to do it again? What if they've graduated, have high aspirations at the highest level? Are you taking graduate level courses? What do you need to stay eligible? Are those requirements academically truly going to help you down the road? You hate to make it all about dollars and cents, but when I chatted again with a handful of coaches, it was a layer that I really never thought about because let's be honest, you said it, four and a half scholarships for division one men's, six for the women. But you look at a men's program, you need five to play. You've already got at least two, three, four kids that are going into their pocket to begin with. I think that's a situation that, again, ever-evolving, how is the NCAA going to handle it? But uh, that's what stood out to me with my conversations. And I know you picked the brains of uh, many of the, the student-athletes out there that have plenty to consider as well. Yeah, so this is, in my opinion, it's more of a – a headache, more of something to sort out on the NCAA side of it, on the school side, the coaches side. For the players, it's really a, a no-brainer to to come back to school because not only could you potentially maybe get a graduate degree or be able to get a second major or take some other classes or just be around that team aspect, getting the free facilities and free coaching and all that stuff. I mean, it's it's such an advantage for most seniors, I mean, we're talking about 98% of, of senior student athletes in college golf. It's, it's going to be beneficial for them to come back because a lot of them 
aren't really playing pro golf. A lot of them might be playing on the mini tours for a couple of years. So from some of the players that I've talked to, it seemed that as long as the schools can afford it or the, or the logistics will work out to where they're allowed to come back, they're going to take, take that opportunity. I mean, there, there's a few of the elite guys who have already said they're not coming back. Peter Quest from BYU, he won three times this season. They just announced he's leaving no matter what. Um, Andy Ogletree from Georgia Tech, the reigning U.S. Amateur champion, he's going to wait and see what happens with the Masters, whether that gets rescheduled or canceled. And if it does get canceled, whether he's allowed to play in next year's Masters. So he's, he's considering that. But at the same time, he doesn't plan on coming back to school either. So there's going to be some guys that turn pro, but I think we're going to see the majority of players – as long as their teams will have them back. Because again, Burko, I mean, as we've talked before, some coaches, you know, for lack of a better word, don't want some guys to come back. I mean, there's a lot of seniors who, to be honest, they they want to graduate and move on so they can continue and bring in a, you know, new crops of players and, you know, kind of stick to their plan as normal. So um, again, I, I think when it's all said and done, we might have about 80% of of seniors come back and it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of affects the next four years or so. Yeah. Well, you bring up the potential major opportunities for maybe someone like Cole Hammer is a former ranked uh, top ranked amateur in the world spots in the open available in the masters. It's, I still think it might come down to dollars and cents when this gets sorted out of who's footing the bill for these extra scholarships for the opportunity to play another year. And, you casually and nicely alluded to the fact there are some players that you might just jump to the business world <laughs> or realize this is your last meaningful golf. Uh, but, you know, you think of a, a Pepperdine in Oklahoma. I mean, so many teams that were really earmarked as legitimate national title contenders. And with the women, Wake Forest, USC, how is this going to, you know, impact them as well? Um, it's, it's sort of hard to envision um, what we're all going through as we circle in and focus on the college golf narrative. But um, the good part, as Ryan Hibble alluded to, there's dialogue, there's conversations. Hey, you know what? They still need to fulfill obligations academically. They're going to be online. They're going to have to do things, but uh, it will continue to change. And, and you'd have to think, frankly, it's going to be weeks or months until we know exactly how this is going to play out. Yeah, I mean, how how cool would it be for someone like John Augustine, who was set to turn pro this summer, how cool would it be for him to stay amateur, play in the Masters this fall, um, get another two semesters of, of college, play another Walker Cup, another NCAAs, and basically turn pro and not miss miss basically two months of potential start. So – just, I think it's something that all these guys need to consider and look at if they're allowed to come back. I think, as I said before, it it's a no-brainer, really. We also learned that awards will be handed out. All American teams will be named the Haskins Award, the Annika Award. That will be given out based on what happened until this point of the season. So maybe throw me a few names that you think have the opportunity to get that award. And again, it looks by maybe sometime in May, they'll sort of get the voting together and, and finalize who will be uh, the 2020. 
recipients. Yeah, let's start with the women because I think that's probably a little closer than, than the men's race will be for player of the year. We just, right, right before the season was canceled, we just had one of the biggest events of the spring and arguably the entire season in the Darius Rucker. And obviously, Amelia Emiliaccio from Wake Forest won that. I still don't think that puts her in the top three. It may put her to three, may put her to four in terms of my rankings. But honestly, right now at the top of my list is a senior from Furman, uh, Natalie. Uh, I'm going to butcher this name, and I practice it over and over again. But Shrini Vassan. Natalie Shrini Vassan. She's got two wins. She was just runner-up at the Darius. uh, Just a really consistent season. And so I have her with a slight edge um, over – let me just pull up the rankings just real quick. But I have her with a slight edge over Vivian Ho from Arizona. Now, Vivian hasn't won – she hasn't won yet this season, but she has, she also hasn't really finished outside the top five in any event she's played. So I think that consistency is going to put her in the top three. And then just kind of looking further down, you look at a, a player like Sophie Go from Texas or Ingrid Lindblad from LSU, who didn't really have a great end to her shortened season, but she won twice and she's going to certainly be in the conversation. And then in the men's side, Sahith Thigala from Pepperdine, Luckily, I was able to be in Westlake and, and watch him win uh, his, his last event as a college golfer. But he, he clearly, I think, is the number one guy, at least in my book. Um, he's got two wins, a couple top fives at some pretty legit events in Southern Highlands and Olympia Fields, T6 at Armorari in the Prestige. That's, that's probably a resume that has led to some guys winning the Haskins for, for a whole year. Uh, I mean, take NCAA performance out of that, but that's a really stout resume. Cooper Dossie from Baylor won Olympia fields, top fives at the Gopher Cabo, uh, another really strong season. And we just had Ryan Hibble on. So why not throw Garrett Reban into the mix from Oklahoma? One win didn't finish worse than T 13 in his, his shortened season. So those are three other guys who I have tabbed. And I guess John Augustine's probably going to get a lot of votes too. He just won the Wyoming Desert Intercollegiate for his first win of the season just days before the season was canceled. Second at the Nike, third at Crooked Stick, top 10 at Tavistock. So it's going to be interesting. If you ask me, do I think the award should be given out? I know you have some thoughts on this, Burko, but I, I think they should. I mean, why not? Why, why take away what someone like the gala has done all season when he was likely a lock to get a first team all American spot anyways, why not hand out the awards? Of course, some people are going to disagree, but I think it'll be a nice little parting gift for some of these players who are never going to get to play college golf again. No, it's a legitimate point. And I'm somebody as a whole in life that doesn't like change. And we're all learning that we've got to adapt, do things differently uh, that sports is really minuscule in the big picture of life. And, and I go back, and you and I were chatting earlier of three years ago, if Braden Thornberry doesn't win the NCAA championships, it's either Wyndham Clark or Sam Burns. Or even last year for the ladies, if Maria Fossey doesn't win at home at the Blessings, she's not going to win the Annika Award. So I sort of have to wipe my mind clear of that, knowing that we had all been gearing up for this six, eight-week stretch with conference championships and regionals, and then ultimately the NCAA uh, titles up for grabs. We now know that 
is not going to happen. Let's hope in the big picture that we're all back on the golf course in the fall covering college golf, however it may look. But I'm beginning to acquiesce and, and jump over to your side a little bit more <laughs> that, you know what, it is what it is. We're all dealing dealing with it on so many different levels. Um, but we'll have to dig deep and sort of, as you said, look at it from two thirds of the season and just make the proper choice, uh, you know, based on results. Yeah. I, I mean, we did not too long ago, a couple of seasons ago, have Norman John from Oregon win the Haskins and he didn't even make it to the NCAA. So there is precedent of people winning it without ever playing for a national championship. So it's just this whole thing for lack of a better word, just, just sucks. I mean, for all these students, and especially the seniors, their careers are over. And it's hard for us to imagine that because all we do is just cover the game. And it, for as much as it sucks for us, it's exponentially tougher for, for these players. I mean, there, there were several players that I know of that were literally in tears when they found this out, when they found that their seasons were over, they weren't going get, to get a chance to play. And it was interesting seeing a lot of these coaches kind of get right on Twitter after the announcement and talk about how they wish things could have been taken month by month. And I kind of agreed at the time, but as we keep seeing more and more of these pro events get canceled, I think it was going to be very tough, even if we got the all clear by mid-May, say, I mean, it's still hard to get to get a national championship in. So I think it, it was the right call. And um, again, hopefully we can play in the fall and, I mean, I have no reason to believe that we won't be able to. I'm just got my fingers crossed and kind of hoping for the best. You know, it's sort of when we saw March Madness get postponed or at least going to be played in front of no fans, and then that goes away. Let's be honest, it is all dollars and cents in this entire world, well beyond college sports. That was the moneymaker for the NCAA championships. Everything else other than that in football, that's non-revenue. That costs money, and I understand – business decisions have to be made and, and even throw those dollars aside. It, it's just not smart to have team gatherings, to have team practices. As Ryan Hibble said, we were ready to go. And within four hours, we turned around and our season was over. You know, it's the bigger picture and the perspective of what's what. And spoke to a coach in his early 60s last night that's been doing this for more than 30 years. And he said the only thing he can relate this to was the Vietnam War where every night on the news, there was a kill count. How many people were killed in battle? And you, you lean on people that have gone through tough times and situations, and that's the only thing he could relate it to. And I think that just sums it up of we love college golf, we love golf, we love sports, but in the big picture, um, while it maybe stings now for us that cover it, for the student athletes, for teams that were trying to peak, uh, it really doesn't matter. As we sort of wind things down, I want to give you the floor one more time for a, a final thought or message as we wrap up this edition. Also, I, I, I need to fact check myself. Norman Zhang did play in Stillwater. I'm thinking of more Cowan's uh, not making it. But uh, again, he didn't play that well. Fossey, I don't think, played that well either that year. Um, but anyways, yeah, final thoughts. Uh, it was really fun to do this podcast for as long as we got to do it. And, you know, we had 
there were so many more events and more things we we both were looking forward to the rest of this season and of of course the coaches and players were were looking forward to as well but we'll be back we'll have plenty of stuff to to talk about and again the, the same the same with the the economy and and how it's it's in the tank right now basically it's going to come back sports are going to come back better than ever, than ever i mean months inside our houses quarantine as soon as we get the you know the the go ahead everyone's going to be excited to get back out and it's just going to make this next season all the more special and it'll be fun uh, once we get back you know on the course and uh realize that even things as simple as golf and things like that can get taken away from us for a long period of time and you know just can't wait till we get uh you know get back on the course get back in the podcast studio on air and you know, start covering the game again and, and seeing uh, these, these great athletes in action. Yep. We're all hitting the pause button. You sort of said it uh, perfectly, so there's nothing for me to add there. We will get through this. We'll be back on the other side. When that is, we will all find out. But you alluded to it, Brentley. We will rebound. We will be better, stronger. Uh, and that's across the board. So we will be back one day with another edition of our College Golf Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.